Thank you. Sacrifice that saved my life. I like that line. Take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of John this morning. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Working our way through these uh, post-resurrection experiences uh, of the disciples. Uh, some of my favorite uh, scripture uh, is uh, are those uh, few days after the resurrection. Uh, it uh, that that would have been a place uh, time that it would have been uh, been kind of cool to have been a fly on the wall. Uh, and just uh, to hear the conversation and to watch the disciples, uh, the followers of Jesus Christ, as the reality of the resurrection uh, began to sink in. Uh, the implications uh, of the resurrection began uh, to sink in. And to watch them as their, uh, as their heart, uh, their attitude moved from, uh, from fear uh, and confusion uh, to a, a place of joy and celebration and confidence uh, to see that uh, transition uh, would have been uh, been fun uh, just to step not even to be part of just to be able uh, to to watch uh, the followers of Christ as uh, as this reality uh, began uh, to sink in. And today we're going to look uh, at uh, really one character in this story, uh, and that is Thomas. Most of you by now, uh, after uh, coming up here shortly on, uh, on 26 years as your pastor, you know uh, my opinion of Thomas. Uh, I like Thomas. Uh, I, I, I like Thomas. I, I don't think he gets treated quite fairly uh, in history. Uh, the, the term uh, doubting Thomas being uh, assigned to him. I will remind you uh, that none of the disciples believed the resurrection uh, except John. Uh, none of the disciples believed in the resurrection until they actually uh, laid eyes on Jesus. Thomas uh, was just bold enough to say it. Uh, if they believed in the resurrection, they would have been standing outside the tomb uh, that morning waiting. Uh, but instead, uh, like the ladies, uh, they were wondering who stole uh, the body. And so uh, as uh, Jesus begins uh, to appear uh, to his disciples, we've already uh, seen him appear, uh, Thomas was not present. Uh, it's uh, eight days later uh, when, uh, when Thomas finally uh, has an interaction uh, with Jesus. And so for, uh, for eight days, uh, you can almost imagine the conversation. Uh, part of the disciples uh, are talking about seeing Jesus. Part of the disciples are talking about the resurrection. Part of the disciples are talking about the future. And the whole time, Thomas is going... Now, I believe it when I see it. Uh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, and so uh, we uh, were able this morning uh, to kind of drop in, and I said about being a fly on the wall. Uh, in these verses, we get to be 
uh, that, uh, that fly, picking up uh, in uh, verse uh, 24. Thomas, uh, again, is an interesting character. Uh, when we, uh, we look at him again, uh, as uh, we remember Thomas, Thomas was one uh, who before the crucifixion, uh, Jesus talked about going back uh, to Jerusalem, and the other disciples uh, said, you know, were, were concerned that uh, they were going to arrest and, and, and kill Jesus, and Thomas said, well, I'll go with you. Uh, you know, Thomas, uh, Thomas is, an, is an interesting uh, character uh, to look at uh, and to see. And so uh, as, we, uh, as we look uh, at Thomas this morning, uh, I want to speak to you, and I want to just kind of uh, walk through this story uh, and just look at the text for a moment uh, and uh, draw a couple conclusions uh, when we get to the end. I want to speak to you uh, on this topic, when Christ comes calling. Uh, Thomas, uh, again, the other disciples had had that experience, and so uh, Thomas was uh, still waiting here after uh, eight days to actually uh, see Jesus. And he expresses that to us uh, in verse uh, 24 when it says, Thomas, one of the twelve, wasn't with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into those marks, uh, place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, uh, again, when we see that, uh, it's very easy to look at Thomas and go, oh, doubting Thomas. But I remind you, all he was asking for uh, was really the same experience the other disciples uh, had already had. Uh, if you look at that text, they say there, uh, we've seen the Lord. Uh, so they've seen him. Thomas just says, hey, I want the same thing. Uh, I, I want to see him as well. Uh, I, I want to be able to lay eyes on him, which uh, brings up actually to me a different question uh, than the doubt of Thomas. It brings up to me a, uh, a different uh, concern uh, altogether. My concern, uh, my question is this, is that other line that says uh, Thomas was not with them. Uh, that's actually my question, is why wasn't Thomas with them? Uh, I'm not too concerned. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all uh, that Thomas said, I want to see him myself. It doesn't bother me at all uh, that Thomas said, I want to put my hands uh, in the, I want to see the scars. Doesn't That doesn't bother bother me uh, at all, uh, because I know, uh, and, and I will confess, whether you will or not, uh, had I been with those disciples, and had I ran to the tomb that morning, I know that I would have been, I'm going to confess, I would have been just like them. I would not have been looking around for a resurrected Jesus. I would be wondering who stole the body just like they did. Let's, I'll be that honest whether you will or not. Uh, and so I have no issue uh, with Thomas saying, I want to see Jesus. Well, my question is, is why wasn't he with the other disciples? That's my, uh, that, that's my concern. That's uh, what uh, I have here. Uh, as I uh, look uh, at that. And there's three things that uh, come up to my mind, and that is obviously uh, his absence. Why, why was he not there? Why was, uh, why was Thomas uh, not with them? Uh, 
uh, when, uh, when, uh, when Jesus appeared? Why wasn't he uh, in that upper room? Why wasn't he gathered uh, together? Where was he? Uh, those are the questions that come uh, into my mind as I read this story. Not why did Thomas want to see Jesus. Thomas wanted to see Jesus for the same reason the other disciples wanted to see Jesus. Thomas wanted to see Jesus for the same reason you and I would have wanted to see Jesus. That story was hard to believe for them in that time. They'd watched him die. Uh, they'd uh, seen him buried. Uh, they, they were concerned. But why Thomas didn't choose to stick with the disciples? Why didn't he uh, stay? Was he afraid? Uh, was he scared? Uh, was he disappointed? Uh, what exactly was going on uh, that caused him not to stick with? I mean, listen. He has been with the disciples, uh, you know, for three years now. They have walked together with Jesus Christ. They have been uh, a, a band of brothers. They have uh, been through thick and thin. They have watched Jesus walk on water. They have watched Jesus raise the dead. They have watched Jesus uh, give the deaf back their hearing, the blind back their sight. They have heard the parables. They have heard the teaching. They have, uh, they have all heard him speak of his resurrection. Thomas was just, he had heard all of that information, but for some reason, after the crucifixion, Thomas went in another direction. Now, let me jump in here and, and, and say, Thomas might have had a sick kid at home. I, I don't know. He might have had a legitimate reason why he wasn't there. But can I point out to you something extremely important in that story? And that is, when he wasn't with the disciples, he missed seeing Jesus. When he wasn't with the disciples, he missed seeing Jesus. I don't know. I, 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 I went on here for a few minutes. I don't know why Thomas wasn't there. We never learned that information. And I don't want to say he didn't have a valid, legitimate reason. He may have. He, he, you know, he may have been in the hospital for all I know. I don't know. All I know is when he wasn't where God's people were gathered, he missed out on something really important. I don't know if you can see this where I'm headed, but some of you, some of you might be getting a little ahead of me here. When you don't gather with God's people, you're likely to miss something important. There's a reason he told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There's a reason he told us to come together and to worship together. There's a reason the pattern in the New Testament for us is of the church gathering, the church coming together, worshiping together, praying together, studying together, fellowshipping together, laughing together, growing together. There's a reason that model is there. It is ordained, it is blessed by God. It is His pattern, it is His desire for His people to come together. I, I will guarantee you, some of you in here are old enough to remember watching oh Merlin, Marlin, whatever his name was, uh, not the magician, but the, the wildlife man. Merlin, Marlin Perkins, remember him? Yeah, whatever his name was, the Mutual Omaha Wild Kingdom. Most of, some of you young enough, you're going, huh? But most of you in here, you know what I'm talking about. 
And you know as well as I do, you put a pack of animals out in the wild, and you put a pack here, and you put one over here kind of wandering off to himself. When the lion comes along, which one does the lion get? That one over there by itself. Listen, I want you to understand this morning something that we, we are beginning to, I, I think, one of the good things that has come uh, out of this last year in our nation is that Christians have understood and began to realize the importance of gathering with God's people. The importance of being together in God's house and worshiping together and drawing from mutual strength. When Thomas wasn't with the eleven, he missed Jesus. He missed Jesus. Listen, it's important for us. Thomas is an example to us of the importance of being together, gathering together uh, as believers uh, together, uh, to worship together, to pray together, to support each other. Listen, Thomas missed seeing Jesus. How do we see his absence? But look at his attitude. He refused to believe that Jesus was risen. You see his attitude. He refused. Uh, and, and, and again, I don't want to call him Doubting Thomas, because again, I, I don't particularly care for that. But, but that last line that he says, when he says, if I don't see him, I will never believe. There was nothing, he said, that could convince him that Jesus was actually alive. Even though, again, back up, and it said the other disciples told him, and the words that are used there, you could easily, the words that are used, you could say it this way. The disciples kept telling him, we have seen Jesus. We have seen Jesus. I will never believe. Listen. The attitude today, uh, that's not much different than our attitude in in, in the church today. We're called to have what? We're called to have faith. We're called to have uh, trust in God. And we're going to see that in this text in just a moment. But we're called to have faith without seeing. I I, I don't put him on the spot, uh, but he wasn't even talking to me. But I overheard uh, Randy a moment ago saying, I know. God can. I believe God can. I, I, and, and listen, what we have, uh, what, what Thomas teaches us is the importance of faith without sight. I, I, it's been oh, one of the first years I was into ministry. I mean, I'm talking about like middle 80s, 30-some years ago. And I, I remember we used to have in North Carolina what we called an evangelism conference. We still have the conference. They just don't call it that anymore. Um, it's a, kind of a different conference. But I still remember, the, I don't remember but a couple things out, out of that early conference. Uh, some of you remember, I know my, my uh, wife and my mother-in-law remember little Wesley Grant. I remember Wesley Grant sitting on the front row at those conferences, and Wesley didn't say amen. Wesley said, I like that. You know, I like that. You know, I remember that. And I remember an African-American pastor from Texas by the name of Frederick Douglas Haynes III. I remember, I remember that name. That's 30-some years ago. 
And I remember him stepping up, being up on the platform. And uh, one of the other things I remember what was he preached before Dr. Jerry Vines. Now, I don't know how many of you know Jerry Vines. Jerry Vines was co-pastor at First Baptist uh, Jacksonville for many years, one of the greatest preachers uh, to ever grace a pulpit. And I remember him saying, my grandma taught me, but there's a train track behind the house. Grandma taught me when you hear a big train come and get off the tracks. He said, that's the way I feel preaching before Jerry Vines. I feel like there's a big train coming and I'm on the track in his way. Before he got done preaching, everybody in that room felt sorry for Jerry Vines having to preach after him. Because this guy forevermore shucked the corn. But I remember one thing he said. Another thing he said his grandma taught him. He said, faith is stepping out where there's nothing believing there'll be something before my foot hits the ground. Faith is stepping out where there is nothing, believing there will be something before my foot hits the ground. I like that definition of faith. Thomas didn't have that. Thomas didn't have that kind of faith. We are called as followers of Jesus Christ to have that kind of faith to trust Him even in the dark, to trust Him when we cannot see, when we do not understand, when it makes absolutely no sense, we are called to trust Him. Let's be honest. I, I've, already, I've already told you which camp I would be in. Let's be brutally honest. You, you can sit there and act all holy and, and, and look all reverent if you want to, but I know everybody in this room, and I know that not one of you would have been standing on outside of that tomb waiting on Jesus on Sunday morning. You'd have been with those disciples hid in the upper room in fear. Thomas didn't even believe it when he was told. Listen, we're called to live by faith. The just, he says, will live by faith. You see his attitude, not his attitude, but his announcement. He says, I want to touch his side. I want to see the nails. I want to reach out, and I want to actually put my hand where the scars are. I will not believe. Can I tell you something? As I read this and thought about it, it dawned on me Thomas would be right at home in 2021 right here in America. Because most people today are like Thomas. They're not saying I cannot believe. They're saying I will not believe. We live in a world where the vast majority are saying, I will not believe. I've shared with you before the story of the scientist who said, and this is not a direct quote, but, and I can't give his name because I can't remember it, said, I know evolution is impossible. I know that evolution, as we describe it, could not happen. It is an impossibility. But given a choice of teaching what I know to be impossible 
or the biblical account of creation, I will continue to teach what I know to be impossible. Let that sink in for a moment. I would rather teach what I know is false than to teach what the Bible says. Folks, that's the attitude of the world we live in for the most part. I will not believe. I will not believe. And I tell you that for this reason, to tell you how difficult our task is of winning the world. Listen, we, we've got to take seriously our task of winning people. I like what the other disciples did. Again, they kept telling him. It would have been easy to throw up their hands and say, Thomas, we're done with you. Get out. Don't come back. But they kept telling him. Can I suggest to you today that there is, while, while there are plenty of people in this world who would look at you and say, I will not believe, there is no one beyond the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad somebody didn't give up on you? Aren't you glad somebody didn't quit telling you? Give up on you? Listen, you got children, you got grandchildren, you got loved ones, you got family, you got friends, you got co workers. Don't give up. Don't give up. It may take something supernatural on Jesus' part. It may take something amazing to convince them, but don't give up. Don't quit your part of keep telling them about Jesus. Keep telling them about Jesus. Keep telling them and keep telling them and tell them again and tell them again and tell them again and tell them again. And when they're tired of hearing it, tell them till they're not tired of hearing it. Tell them when you feel like it. Tell them when you don't feel like it. And even when you don't, when you don't feel like it, you tell them till you do feel like it. Keep telling them about Jesus. Folks, we live in a world, and I've shared this with you before. I've used this illustration before. Many of you, most of you, grew up in a time when salvation was, was low-hanging fruit, really. I mean, you grew up, and it was really just a matter of you getting old enough and, and, and becoming aware enough to understand and accept what was hanging right in front of you. Yeah, it, it, it was, yeah, you just grew up in church. You grew up hearing it your whole life. It was really just a matter of finally understanding that that strange feeling you had wasn't indigestion, but it was the Holy Spirit drawing you, and you just kind of stepped up and took what was hanging there. Live in a world today where salvation is way down the road. You go start talking to them about Jesus, and they're like, Who's that? You start talking to them about the Word of God, and they don't even have a copy. Listen, it's a different world. There's a whole lot more folks in this world today like Thomas than like John. Great. I shared this last week. I'll say it again. The best example I know for us is that in the church in America today, we've got to start living like missionaries. 
We've got to start acting like missionaries. You know, when they go overseas and they go into some of these countries, they don't walk in and just boom, everybody gets it. It takes work. They have to learn the language, learn the culture, and win them over. Listen, man, we're foreign missionaries in America today. Christians are like far. You might as well be in some dark corner of the world in most places in America today. You're a foreign missionary. There's a lot more people like Thomas than there ever were like John. We've got to convince them. We convince them by the way we live. We convince them by the way we treat others. We convince them by the way uh, we talk, by the way we act, by our attitude, by our love, by our love for each other. Isn't that what the Bible says? He says they'll know that we love Him because we love each other. Listen, there's a lot more Thomases in this world than there are people like John. Today, anyway, there are a lot more people like Thomas than there are like John. We've got to learn to reach out to them. Notice not only the concern, but the conviction. The doors are shut and locked, and suddenly, without any notice, Jesus appears in verse 26. And he gives them that same greeting again when he says to them, Peace be unto you. And he immediately, look at this, his approach, immediately the Bible says in verse 27, that he appears to him, and immediately he turns to Thomas. And he says, put your finger here. Can I tell you something that I see in that text? I mentioned a while ago that we live in a world of people a lot like Thomas. Well, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And those folks, like Thomas, Thomas says, I won't believe until I put my finger in the scars. I won't believe till I put my hand in his side. I won't believe until then. Jesus appears in the room, and he immediately turns to Thomas, and without saying a word, he says, Thomas, come here. He knew exactly what Thomas needed to believe. Some of you have got loved ones. You've got friends. You've got family. And you've been trying. I know CD have talked, me and CD have talked before he had a relative and we talked about fishing. I used the fishing analogy. If they're not biting worms, try minnows. If they're not biting minnows, try digs. If that don't work, get a net. Something. You know, do whatever it takes. Find something. Can I tell you something? That loved one, that friend, that family member, that you feel like you've been beating your head against a wall. Keep beating your head on the wall because God knows what they need. God knows what it'll take to convince them. He knows what words it'll take. Just keep, keep going. Keep, keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep pursuing. Thomas, here. He didn't even say a word. He just immediately turned, and the very thing Thomas desired was what God, what Christ put in front of him. He knew the words. His awareness, he knew exactly. And then look in verse 28. You can say whatever you want to about Thomas, but I love Thomas. To me, this is one of the greatest confessions, not just in the Bible, but in history. My Lord and my God. 
my Lord and my God. Not just my Lord, or not just my God, but my Lord and my God. My Savior, my Master, my Creator, everything. You are my Lord and my God. I love that confession. Thomas's heart is melted and changed. What a concept. He, he had an awareness. That, that, that statement uh, uh, that he is my Lord and my God shows he has an awareness of what's going on. Not only his uh, awareness, but his appreciation, his ability. Listen, here's a man who was willing. Think about it. For eight days, he's been telling those disciples, uh-uh, uh-uh. Yep, don't believe, not me, but in front of all of them. He made a confession that we've not heard out of John. We hadn't heard it out of Peter. We hadn't heard it out of any of those other disciples. But I believe in that moment, and I don't believe Thomas was standing when I said it, I believe at that point he had fell flat on his face at the feet of his Savior grabbed him by the ankles, tears running down his face, and said, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And Thomas was radically, miraculously changed. That's the power of God, folks. That's what God wants to do in our family. That's what God wants to do in our community. That's what God wants to do for our friends. He wants to see them radically, miraculously changed. My Lord and my God, for eight days, I won't believe it if I don't see it. Well, on this day, he saw it. And he fell on his face and began to pray, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus says to him, you've believed because you've seen. Blessed, happy are those who have not seen, and yet they believe. See, we're called on today to follow him without sight. Faith without sight to trust Him, to follow Him. We sing, wherever He leads, I'll go. But we live a far different life. We sing it, we say it, but do we practice it? Thomas was radically changed. My Lord and my God. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. <clears throat> Last year, you'll remember, or two years ago actually now, we did a campaign we called Who's Your One? How many of you in here remember who your one was? Are you still praying for them or have you give up? 
Are you still pursuing? Or have you given up? I want to ask you this morning, if you're in this room, if you're joining us online, and you have a one, I want to ask you to recommit yourself this morning to praying for that Thomas in your life. If you don't have one, I want to ask you to pray until ask the Lord to give you one. God, put somebody's face. Lord, put somebody's name in my mind right now. And I'm going to begin to pray for them. And I'm going to begin to keep telling them like the disciples did Thomas. I'm going to begin. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Because I believe that God can intervene even in their life. You got that one this morning? You got that Thomas? You got your Thomas? The one that may have even looked at you like Thomas looked at the disciples and said, I will never believe. I will never believe. Keep praying. Keep witnessing. Keep talking. Keep being an example. God, help me to be that example. Help me to be a witness to them. Help me to be a missionary. But more important, this morning you're here and you don't know Christ. You don't know Him personally. Maybe you're joining us online and you don't know Him. You've never asked Him into your heart as your Savior. I want to invite you this morning to come and let me let, let us show you how you can know Him personally, how you can be saved. Oh, you've been in church. You're in church this morning. You're a good person. But the reality is today you've never had a life-changing, heart-changing experience with Jesus Christ. Would you come this morning? You're online. Would you call, email? Let us know. Love to talk to you. As God stirs your heart this morning, you've got a Thomas. You need to pray for him. You need to kneel where you are. You need to come and kneel here at this altar. You want to pray for your Thomas. But maybe this morning you are Thomas. And this morning you've got a glimpse and you've seen Jesus. You've heard us sing about the blood. An amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that can save a wretch just like you. Right now you're lost, but you can be found. You're blind, but you can see. Would you come and ask Jesus into your heart today? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you for allowing us to gather today. God, to open your word. God, this morning, I pray for all those Thomases out there. God, hands went up all over this building this morning. God, we've got our Thomas. You've laid that name. You've put that face in our hearts today. God, help us to pray. 
God, help us to witness, help us to live a holy life in front of them. God, that they'll see Jesus. God, that that Thomas, my Thomas, every Thomas represented by a hand in this room this morning, God, they'd see Jesus. And they'd cry out, my Lord and my God. God, for the one this morning that's watching online or in this room that doesn't know you as their Savior, God, I pray today that you'd group their heart. God, today they'd come to know you personally. God, for Christians in this room, God, help us to recommit ourselves to you. To have the same faith as the one we labeled Doubting Thomas. To fall at your feet and cry out, My Lord and my God. And serve you with obedience and passion. Change us, Lord. We'll give you the glory for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand together.